Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here for the Podakesis Podcast. In just a moment, we're going to start our new episode on the topic of justification. We have a great discussion about this, and I think you're going to be thoroughly blessed by it. Uh, just a couple of notes. First of all, we were supposed to have Dr. Scott Kisker of United Theological Seminary on this episode with us, uh, but due to a scheduling conflict and something that uh, could not be avoided, uh, Dr. Kisker is going to join us for our next episode where we talk about sanctification. And we are very excited about that. We think that's going to be a fun discussion, and we uh, hope you look forward to that episode that is coming up next. As always, you can find us on any social media platform at Podakesis on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can also email us at questions at podakesis.com or even send us a voicemail at 404-635-6679. We are so appreciative to our Podakesis community and all the support that we continue to get. Uh, feel free to share us with your friends, your family, your churches, uh, use us in small groups, um, however you want. Uh, our goal is to make disciples and help them to fall in love with Jesus, to get to know Jesus, and to understand why what we believe truly matters. Well, that's all that I have. Be sure to check us out on social media, email us, call us, and uh, we look forward to uh, we look forward to bringing you this episode and all future episodes as well. And now, on to our show about justification. Y'all have a good day. Humans and welcome to the Podakesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe in, why it matters. Once again, I'm Brett Maddox, and we are joined by your very best friends and the greatest summer interns you'll ever meet, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. What's up, guys? Hey, everybody. How are you? I was a summer intern for a few years. How about that? There you go. There you go. And you were probably pretty great at it. This is the this is the <laughs> longest delay I've ever had in an employee of the month kind of situation. <laughs> I hope there's a gift card. When you're the head guy, can you give yourself the employee of the month? I don't know. So how lame. Works. Yeah, so I lame. Know. I know. Well, considering I started preaching when I was in diapers, I've you never did. been able yeah. to be a summer intern. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, may maybe you can uh, fill out an application for Jim or me on our positions yeah. we have, and you can come. You, nev and, you never yeah. got pampered that way? Although I have violated some child labor laws. <laughs> so. I bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, we're so glad to be with you all. And uh, we were supposed to have a special guest for this episode, but with um, stuff that had come up, uh, conflicts and schedules, uh, Dr. Scott Kisker of United Theological Seminary is going to actually be joining us for the next episode, which we will be talking about in just a moment. So uh, we're excited about that. So keep looking out for that as well. Um, we are talking today about justification, what it means to be justified. And uh, that is a loaded term. Um, it is a 
good Wesleyan term that we need to um, we need to just w- not say I'm not going to say win back, but to take back, to have back, to use. Take it back. Yes, absolutely. And so we're going to be talking about justification. But uh, before we do that, just a reminder to hit us up on social media at Podikesis is where you can find us wherever you go to social media media and uh, leave that five star review on Apple Podcast. By the way, we're up to thirty five. Five more before the incentives start hitting. Hey, quick question. Weren't we at 35 last time? No, we were at 34. I love oh. <laughs> no, oh. We were at 34. Oh, yeah. We were at 30. So we're, okay. we're, we're inching on up, y'all. It's getting there. Remember those incentives. We want to tell our favorite ministry stories. They're funny. They are wild. They're crazy. There's even, maybe, perhaps, even a story about Jim meeting Patrick Stewart in Scotland or something like that. At least that's what he says. I don't there know. certainly is in some, <laughs> in some area of the United Kingdom. That's exact. Well, so anyway, we're excited about that. We want to tell uh, those wait, stories. Wait, yeah, wait. What, aren't there what? like a thousand Patrick Stewarts in Scotland? Oh, come on. <laughs> you think it's going to be something like I that? Mean, like, like, really? <laughs> oh, I mean, Patrick Stewart. I mean, really? I yeah. mean, come pa- on. Patrick is an Irish name, but that's Ooh. fine. Well, okay. I think I think Alan's figured. Okay, this well, whole you got the out. point. It doesn't matter. I, I <laughs> so so Alan thinks that I've been pulling everyone's leg. This is going to be well, the best day. Well, apparently, we'll years. never find out as we inch along. Forty stars. Oh my goodness gracious! Well, yes, that's yeah. You know, we've got you figured out, Jim. And Alan is also right. We may never actually hit forty stars, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but we are actually covering two questions today. One question, really quickly, and then the other on justification itself. So these are questions thirty-three and thirty-four of John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. We're going to actually skip ahead to a little bit to look at question thirty-four, and that question is. What is adoption? And what's interesting about this question and answer is John Wesley strikes it through. He just gets rid of it. And uh, so let's look at the original answer to this question. What is adoption? And uh, who has that answer? I was I was wondering. I felt like you were about to slight me just because John Wesley, you know, struck through it. Doesn't mean you got to strike through me, man. I'm not striking through you. Never, never. I did. I do have the answer that was in the catechism that John Wesley did not like, Wesley being Wesley, doing his own thing. What is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace by which we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God, probably children of God, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. But, in the, in the yes, 1500s. But we don't really have to worry about that because Wesley struck through it. So Wesley is not a fan of adoption, apparently. Hates and it. Hates adoption and thinks it's heretical to talk about adoption. Exactly. Oh, gosh, That's you guys are just being end story. silly. End of story. Yeah. Let's wow. end the story. We're done right now. This. I don't think there's any piece to po- this at all. Post hoc ergo propter hoc. <laughs> I learned that from the West Wing. Just because <laughs> after doesn't mean I don't remember what it is. <laughs> but I think it applies here. All right, Jim Barlett. Now, Jim, tell us where we're wrong in our analysis of this. Oh, just because we see it struck out does not mean that we can draw the entire conclusion that Wesleyan theology in its entirety rejects adoption. That's right. In fact, we know for a fact from Wesley's writings that he did affirm adoption. When we talk about adoption, what we're talking about here is uh, when we come to Christ, when we come and uh, to Christ, uh, faith in Christ, we are uh, saved, we are justified, we are regenerated, we become children of God. And Paul uses this language of adoption where we become 
children of God, sons and daughters of God. You can read about this in Romans 8, um, uh, the spirit of adoption, this uh, becoming um, heirs and co-heirs with Christ, some really beautiful language. Some of the, in fact, for me, some of the most beautiful language in all of uh, in all of the New Testament, if not all of Scripture itself. So um, Wesley himself would uphold adoption in his writings, um, and he would use it um, in the language of, of becoming part of the family of God. In fact, he uses kind of threefold language when we talk about the family of God, the legal, the biological, and the filial, and that filial language would be the adoptive language there. So why in the world would he strike through this? Well, if you remember from last episode, question 32, he struck through adoption uh, out of that question, um, I think we talked about this last time. Was mm-hmm. that um, he 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 was he was trying to get to the point that he he thought was most important, which was justification and sanctification. Right, and right. that um, not that uh, adoption is not important, but he just he wanted he was Wesley seemed to be focused on uh, these two aspects of of the benefits of salvation. Right, and so when he struck through that in thirty two, well. 34 was all about adoption so he struck through that as well so right absolutely um, yeah and it and it's again one of those places where um of course the work of salvation you can't necessarily graph it out in reality but there are multiple things happening sure. and and Wesley was working to ensure that we could see the distinct movements of God's grace that were at work in the mm-hmm. justifying moment, which is what God does uh, to us or upon us and versus the work that God does in us as we are sanctified. Mm-hmm. Now, I, McDonald, who is the commenter, uh, commentator on this, was talking about how there's always been a variety of adoption um, processes legally in cultures, even around the Scottish culture and those that were uh, the De- Westminster divines were a part of. Right. And so... Um, that he wanted to not get that confused. And so it's not as if, again, that Wesley does not have a theological understanding of adoption, which you can find as you study through the book of Ephesians chapter one, for example, but that by removing it from this particular place, he's trying to uh, keep symmetry, as McDonald will put it, with what he struck from the previous question, Mm -hmm. and to highlight the entrance into faith through justification and the growing into faith through sanctification. That's my take. Yeah, and I, I agree. that. And he basically says that he being McDonald pronouns here. Let's get that going. Um, he, uh, McDonald, would say that in his commentary, he would say that this is more about being, having showing stark differences rather than— I just believe that Wesley wanted to live by the title of the catechism, Shorter. <laughs> he wanted to make it he wanted to make it shorter, shorter. yeah why he's, not? So, he's so methodical he's like you call this short i'll show you short. i'll, sh- I'll show, show you, you short yeah, you're a wise guy uh i do love uh in that answer by the way adoption is an act of god's free grace by which we are received into that number just that i don't know that that language is so fun it's like to when the role is called number, up <laughs> and the saints go marching in. 
Oh, oh that's it. That's all I got. Uh, that's all you're going to yeah. go. That was it. Well, that's good. That's good. That was, <laughs> that good. was very uh, nice. That's and and we don't have to pay royalties on that. So which that's leads into justified, justified. <laughs> I am justified. Here we go. Wow. Well, that's better than what I thought of because when I think of the word, I think of Timothy Oliphant and his uh, the series Justified that was on Hulu for a long time. Oh, you could go yes, there, but I, I went with my own rendition of uh, yours is probably better. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to uh, the question of justif- justification. Question 33, what is justification? Uh, what is justification? Well, justification is an act of God's free grace in which he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. All right. So we're now we're getting into, um, if you think about grace, um, by the way, a very good, probably his most famous sermon, John Wesley's sermon, is the uh, sermon, uh, The Scriptural Way of Salvation, Mm. where he talks about the grace of God, how it moves from in our prevenient or preventing grace to justification, regeneration, um, to sanctification, and even glorification, like the, the, the scriptural way of salvation. Um, it, go find it. You can just throw it in your Google machine, the scriptural way of salvation, John Wesley, and it'll pop up. You can read it, and you'll see these movements where he talks about uh, some of the things we're going to be talking about today. I highly recommend that. And there, actually, I will put a link to this in the uh, what do we call those again? Show notes. Wow, that was harmonic. It was like y'all practice that. That was nice. Yeah, we're making a barbershop quartet called <laughs> Show Notes. Yeah, with three of us. So Ooh, uh, I can't do maths <laughs> <laughs> or Latin. Apparently, or Latin, this has apparently. been a good day for me. It really has. It really has. Um, so uh, justification. Uh, let's get into this. We've got some scripture. Uh, we've got three passages from Romans, and I've decided that uh, Jim needs to take that. So, Jim. I have decreed. (laughs) So, we're going to take a look at a couple of selections from Romans, Mm -hmm. uh, where three of the scripture proofs come from. Um, In the first one, in chapter three, I'm just going to read a few, few verses, starting in verse 21, and it reads like this, but now, apart from the law, The righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the sins previously committed. And so what we're looking at is the the concept. You'll see this throughout Romans and you'll see it throughout Paul's letters, too, especially as we keep in mind that Paul is uh, talking often to uh, what we might call mixed audiences with those who uh, were Jewish first and then uh through their Jewishness, became Christ followers, Mm -hmm. and those who were um, not Jewish or Gentile and became Christ followers. Mm -hmm. And so when Paul talks about apart from the law, or um, later on he'll talk about works, uh, it's always important that the law is very much the religious law that um, God set forward in the Old Testament in order to open the door for people to access God, to be in relationship with God. 
that was then uh, very easily and often as we are humans, those methodologies and opportunities become things that we do to earn things for our own sake. So what he's talking about, uh, especially here, is to remember that God has done um, a new thing or has brought to fruition, I would say, what he began in the law, and that righteousness is now given freely by Christ to those who submit themselves to him. And so he talks about justified by his grace as a gift. So one, it is something that is given to us, not something that we manipulate, uh, that we can bring about upon our own way, but also that it required the sacrifice of atonement through the blood of, of Christ to cover over or pass over our sins. So you see a little bit of the Passover image. You see the um, image of the day of atonement or the act of sacrificial atonement. The idea here is that there is a status change that is given by the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So there's Mm -hmm. where in this catechism, the free grace and the pardoning of sins. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I won't talk long on all of these, but move over to chapter four, just a few uh, verses, verses six through eight. And he says, so also David, that being King David, because he's about to quote a psalm. Mm-hmm. So, and so also David speaks of the blessedness of those to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works, where he says, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Mm -hmm. And again, Paul is making very clear that God is doing a work that fulfills uh, the righteousness of the law, that brings forward the righteousness of Christ apart from us doing works, Mm -hmm. not just works like I've heard. We've heard a lot of uh, talk in uh, maybe in the recent years of Christianity, especially, we'll confuse works. That word in this context is like uh, trying to pray a lot or whatever, but it very much is the working of keeping the Mosaic Levitical law. Yeah. So we right. need to keep that in mind. This is not just about us doing nothing. Right. It's about, and it's not necessarily just about earning our faith. It is about the way that God has fulfilled the law of Moses. Right. And as he speaks to the original hearers, that means something very specific. Right. It doesn't mean, we've had some discussions over the years where people will put this in opposition to the book of James. It says, uh, well, uh, faith without works is dead, but they're using two different usages of the word works right james is talking about activities that flow out of our faith that are things that are done right paul is talking about actual keep works of keeping of the law like doing the act of circumcision doing the act of dietary restriction doing the act of sacrifice etc so um at any rate justification comes forward through because God reckons righteousness upon people through Christ, mm-hmm. their iniquities are forgiven, their sins are covered, and the Lord will not reckon sin against them. Now, that's a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Charles Wesley, right? He uh, he cancels, uh, what is it? Um, uh, he breaks the power of canceled, canceled sin. sin. Thank oh. you. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so for, for that power to be broken of canceled sin, the sin has to be first canceled. Yes, and that is that is the moment 
uh, that is involved in justification. Right. Yes. So yes. here, real quick, I'll pick up a few more verses in Romans. Um, and this is verse chapter 5, 17 through 19, where it reads, If because of one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Mm -hmm. And here is one of the beautiful ways in which the scripture is woven together of course, the one man's trespass, he's referring back to Adam. Mm -hmm. And then the one man's obedience, he's talking about Christ. And what I do like here is, and you could do some contextual reading here, um, Christ's act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all. That would be all those who believe, not necessarily just the Jew or just the Gentile, right, right. but all. All, right. Absolutely. Man, that's some good stuff. Um, you know, Romans for many people is their favorite book. They'll talk about because it's it's so theologically rich, and um, there's just so much in it. Um, I would implore you read it again, even if you've read it a thousand times. Read it again and really listen to the argument and how Paul lays out what he is trying to get across about what Jesus has done and um, the the power of the Holy Spirit. So many times we look at uh, the book of Romans to talk about Jesus. That's true, absolutely. Uh, but look at what the book of Romans tells us about the Holy Spirit, when you, especially when you get into Romans 8 and uh, the, 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 this, the power of God's Spirit um, in, in bringing no condemnation and helping us to live new lives and to be tra transformed. It's, it's amazing stuff there. Yeah. Hey, can I make a book recommendation real quick while we're talking sure, about Romans? Absolutely. Um, I, and this is on my list. I haven't, I've scanned it and love what I'm seeing. So it's on my list. It's by Scott McKnight, who I've enjoyed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Reading Romans Backwards, mm. The Gospel in Search of Peace in the Midst of the Empire. And so basically um, he starts to interpret, and, and which you would if you're looking at the whole book, uh, walks us through what it looks like to interpret it with the whole in mind and where it ends up, which you would do if you were doing a whole book study, but Romans is often chopped apart and taken out of its own right. context. That looks great. And it, uh, I'm excited as it, uh, to have it as a fascinating read, Absolutely. reading, reading Romans backwards, reading Romans backwards. Awesome. That'll be in the show notes as well. Show notes. Show there notes. you go. All right, so we're going to move on with another. Um, all of what we're looking at today are from Letters of Paul, so we're going to continue with that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's uh, verses 19 and ver it's verse 19 and verse 21. Um, so what I'm going to do is actually just kind of read this paragraph here, and that starts at verse 16. Paul writes, From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, uh, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love this passage. Uh, it, it tells us why we do what we do, right? Why we proclaim the gospel, why Christians are to be a proclamation community, um, why we are to be a proclamation people of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Uh, it brings reconciliation, God reconciling us to him, self through Christ, and us reconciling. Like we, we've got a mission. We've got a purpose um, on, on this planet, uh, things to do, if you will. Um, and the reason for that is that key piece, I think verse 21, is that there's a change, right? There's a, there's a difference. We've been reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Something's going to change within us. Now, we, we may want to talk about this a little more depth in just a moment, but with the word justification, John Wesley's really quick in that sermon, uh, The Scripture Way of Salvation, to also tie in the word regeneration. Yes. Um, and so these two words, although they are different, they happen at the same time. So think about um, prevenient grace— being the grace of God that goes before us, right? Goes before, it's that wooing grace. It's that grace of God that pulls us to the cross, pulls us to that moment of salvation, that, that, that place of justification, that place of change. Then you get to the place of making that decision of faith for Jesus, um, that, that place of salvation. And in that moment, one is being justified before God, which is a relative thing. Mm -hmm. um, in relation to God, we're being reconciled to God. It's a very uh, uh, judicial word, right? Being made right before God. Righteousness becomes a piece of that. But there's also regeneration, which Wesley would say is a real change. So we've got a relational change that takes place, and then we actually have a real change that takes place. And what Wesley would mean by that is pulling from John chapter 3, uh, we're being born again. Mm -hmm. It's a new birth. We're, we're different. We've changed. Uh, we're not the same as we were. And verse 21 of 2 Corinthians, um, uh, here of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, uh, the reason, uh, he, he hits on this, this change that takes place. Christ became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness. So it's a change could happen in us. Relationally, justifi justification and a real change through regeneration. So justification and regeneration, even though this question is dealing with specifically with justification, you cannot talk about justification without regeneration. In fact, uh, a book that's really good that will also be in our show notes is The Absolute Basics to the Wesleyan Way. And there's a chapter on justification in, in that book. And, and in that chapter, there's this illustration that uh, Phil Talon and Justice Hunter um, used to talk about uh, uh, like a, a vampire, a Dracula, a Dracula character who um, has a relational change, but not a real change. And so uh, you, if, you, if you just have a relational change, then 
the issues are still there. Um, that's an Old Testament thing, by the way. Uh, every, on the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, every year, there would be a relational change that would be for the community, for the nation. But guess what? They'd have to do it again and mm-hmm. again and again. Why? Because there was no real change. Right. Not until Jesus it became that. <clears throat> and then you take that, but it's beautiful. That's beautiful right there. And you take that with the understanding of the depravity of the human condition being born in original sin. If you'll hearken back a few episodes in the catechism, yeah, that we're being reborn by water in the spirit, that we are born in such a way where we are born made right. So we have the fresh start in the way we were created and intended. And I love the image of regener- the idea of regeneration where we are born, yes. which means we still have to grow, grow up. up. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. So now, Alan. Yes. We are coming to you with two sure. Pauline texts. You know, um, the, these group of texts in the New Testament, the way I remember them, so uh, Galatians, Ephesians. Go eat popcorn. Look at you. I do Georgia Electric Power Company. So that's a... That's a that, that'll <laughs> hey, so hey, we just provided two um, acronyms, I guess. Or, or there's a fun one too. Gentiles eat pigs continuously. So, oh. <laughs> so I'm pretty. I'm just gonna go with go eat popcorn. But yeah, that's, that'll work uh, as well. Absolutely. Um, All right. Galatians, Galatians and Philippians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians. All right. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now everybody's questioning my. Um, that's my, all right. Uh, it's Friday. It's this day off. So we're. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Right. So we're gonna. I'm gonna look at Galatians chapter two, and I'm gonna look at verse 15 and 16, and we get back to what Jim was talking about the works of the law um, versus faith. And these last two, um, this one in Galatians and Philippians, really get to that last part of the the question when it talks about, um, so we're justified, we receive it by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really the theme of these two verses. But um, Paul writes in Galatians 2, verse 15, we who are Jews by birth, and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Mm-hmm. Can't get it any clearer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how the Gentiles feel about Paul calling them sinful Gentiles, but <laughs> other than that... Um, it, the law, um, as we just were talking about, is is not able to to justify, but it's through faith in Jesus and what Jesus did, um, right. and that sacrifice of atonement. Right. Um, and then Philippians three, um, we're gonna look at verses seven through nine, um, and Paul's talking about um, um, sort of how gaining Christ means any, more than anything else, than right. anything that he's lost, anything that he's gained. Um, and again, he talks about faith, um, is an act of justification as a part of justification, but whatever were gains to me, Paul writes, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And the, the real term there is like, 
like dung, I think. Yeah, refuse. Um, It's a harsher language than garbage, but garbage doesn't sound good either. Yes. Um, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Right. And so, again, we received justification uh, received by faith alone, not by works of the law, but by faith. And and I love, actually, uh, that this uh, Philippians 3 is one of my favorite passages, because you really need to continue that story. So Philippians being this book, this letter of 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 joy written in the midst mm. of persecution um, for uh, for uh, for Paul who was in prison when he wrote this. Um, I love you. Just go on to uh, verse ten with that, right? Uh, so, uh, what'd you say? The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know Him, the power of His resurrection, and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him unto death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Like there's this this change, this faith that. Takes that that really brings transformation to us is a very real change uh, that brings life, like eternal life, uh, and that nothing, no matter what sufferings, no matter what uh, persecutions, what outside things are coming our way, uh, man, it doesn't matter because you put your faith in Christ, you're going to attain that life. So awesome, awesome stuff there, man. This is this is where it gets uh, gets me gets me fired up because this is the message, right? Like this is this is why Jesus came. Jesus didn't just come to show us what a nice guy looks like, right? He didn't just come to just. Uh, uh, preach love and unity and say, hey, let's just all be who we are and just all get along and, and, and what all, whatever. No, Jesus came to change lives, to transform people, to, to break the power of canceled sin, to, 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 to change people, to change the world. And uh, gosh, this is, some, this is good news. This truly is good news. So uh, what are your... Uh, what are some of your favorite hymns? Favorite hymns? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, I am stuck. This isn't a justification hymn. One of okay. my all-time favorites is uh, Come Thou Fount. Yes. Uh, and the line that gets me is, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk about come take my heart and seal it, mm-hmm. uh, seal it for thy courts above. That's a good one. That's a good line. And listen, that's got justification written all over it, though, right? Like, I mean, yeah. prone to wander? Yes, you are. You know, and by the way, it's prone to wonder, like not wonder, you know, sitting in outside looking at the stars going, I wonder what's up in the sky. No, it's prone to walk away. Yeah, prone to walk away. Like this is what I'm, yeah, this is my nature. And yet uh, there's that grace of God that calls us home, that changes us, that changes that whole, yeah. Mm. What a, what a good a, question, Brett. I like, um, I got some newer, it's uh, Here I Am, Lord, which uh, is, um, uh, I think yeah, it's that's one of my favorites. 593 in the hymnal, mm-hmm. I think it is. And um, um, Hymn of Promise, mm. which is a, a nice um, a nice hymn, especially for a funeral. Yeah. Uh, there's some... Um, that, about, last about, verse, hmm? that last verse of Hymn of Promise yeah. has recently just become something uh, that I've really have locked into. So those are, those are not as uh, maybe 
some old, and then you got like Love, Mercy, and Grace, which is like out of the Coach Berry hymnal. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me yeah. started. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up in Sunday Night Sings, you know. I so, hear you. Um, but y'all remember. Uh, lifted me. There you go. <laughs> there you Come go. Come on, Jim. You remember our first guest, Brian Russell, right? Who um, brought up that idea, uh, uh, reminded us of that verse out of, um, um, uh, oh, is it Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing? Um, uh, God breaks the power of canceled sin. Yes. Yeah, God. That, that I, when he said that, you know, a year later, that still resonates with me. And how many times as Methodist pastors have we sung that song? Um, that that song, that verse. Uh, man, what a great one that stays with me. But you know, my all-time favorite is "And Can It Be." Now I'm an Asbury ah. grad. That's kind of our song at Asbury. Hearing 750 students sing that song at the top of their lungs at opening convocation is one of the most amazing things um, there on campus. Uh, but that line, um, "I rose, went forth, uh, you know, and followed Thee." That my chains fell off. I rose, went forth, and fell, followed Thee. That I think it's the third stanza. Um, uh, the, this idea that Jesus comes in, He truly does break those chains, and then we get this power to stand up and to walk out, to live a, a new life, a life that is not bound by the chains of sin anymore because we are children of God. These great hymns really just remind us of that. Uh, Wesley, Charles Wesley, if you, uh, you know, if you only know two or three Charles Wesley hymns, uh, you need to look up some more because he, he used his poetry and his hymns to really proclaim the gospel in some powerful ways and to teach great theology. Um, yeah, some, some good stuff. So, um, I think we've t- we talked about this a good bit. Um, my dad was uh, my pastor growing what? up. What? Right? Really? Uh, yeah, I know, right? Y'all know that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, how long have I known you? Right. <laughs> um, and so I did pick up a few things from him over the years, uh, although for many of those years I wasn't paying a lick of attention. Uh, um, yeah. I, in fact, I went through um, confirmation. For those of you who are not familiar with confirmation, um, it's, uh, it's kind of like a catechism for mm-hmm. – um, our fifth, sixth graders that age, um, <laughs> as they make a public decision to join join the church and follow Christ. Um, I actually went through confirmation twice. Um, you needed it. I know, right? It, it just didn't stick the first time. I don't know. I just, I think I was, I think the first time I may have been just sitting in there because dad was there or whatever. But um, one of the things that's always stuck with me, and, and he got it probably from somewhere else, I'm sure, but... Um, justified is just if I'd never sin. Mm. The way you can remember justification justified is just if I'd never sin. That is the way that God sees us in that moment of justification. When we put our faith in Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And um, so I just think, you know, I mean, if you, when we, when we sit down and we think about justification and this moment of justification, that begins regeneration and, and sanctification and so forth. Um, if we just stopped and thought, you know what? God sees me as if I never sinned. How mm-hmm. can that change our lives yeah. moving forward? Yeah. I mean, how would that change if we, if we just let, if we just told ourselves that every day, yeah. how would we just, how we go about our day differently? Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, just, you know, you know, that's always stuck li- with me. Those first lines in Romans eight. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What, is, what a powerful statement um, 
that reminds us of exactly what you're just saying right here. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the catechism says um, justification is an act of God's free grace in which he pardons all our sins. Yes. All of them. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, that all is of our humbling. Sin. That's all humbling. of our sins. Meaning, meaning, by the way, uh, right. potty humans, uh, like when you when Jesus comes into your life, when when you give yourself over to when the Lord, Jesus came into <laughs> my heart. When <laughs> this is the musical episode this of is, know, really. we're okay. like an episode of Scrubs in here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um. He, he doesn't just, Jesus doesn't just cancel the power of sins that um, are easy or that are, you know, eh, maybe they're not so bad. Like, he, he cancels the power, he, he, he breaks the power of canceled sin, like, no matter what. State That's, of sin. Yeah, that no matter what has happened in your life, what you've been through, what you've done, what you've seen done, what, um, when what's God been done says, to you. what's been done to you. When God says, hey, I love you, he means it. When he says, you're my child because you have put your faith in my, me and my son, you're like you've, when you've trusted me, he means it. And that's one of the most beautiful things to me is um, we, we tend to doubt God's grace, right? We t- his love, his, the, his ability to actually be able to love us that much. Um, maybe it's because we've been lied to by people and, or ourselves or Satan himself or who knows, and we've bought into those lies thinking that we're unlovable or that, you know, whatever. But uh, justification, regeneration, becoming children of God— um, that's a, that's a powerful, powerful thing that we, we need to lock into and live into that. Um, I don't know how many of y'all have actually, um, heard of Wesley's conversion experience himself, um, his Aldersgate heartwarming experience, um, in 1738, May 24th, 1738. Um, nerd, nerd. Yes, it's true. Nerd alert, nerd alert. <laughs> But if you read his journal entry about that night, uh, he talks about uh, assurance. Mm. I was, I, I, it's like I knew I was a child of God. And uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here with justification, with regeneration. Hey, let me ask you all a question. This may be, Jim likes to ask controversial questions. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite thing. I'm going to ask one. Uh-oh. <clears throat> uh, I'm being canceled. <laughs> um, one of my theological pet peeves is when people say we're all children of God. Ah, um, we're all children of God because my reading of the text is to say, you know, we're all creations of God. That's true. We're all loved by God. God so loved the world. Absolutely true. But then there is seems to be a qualifier put on who are children of God. Um, am I wrong on this? Am I? Am I? That would be those who are adopted. Yes, adopted. Exactly. Um, in fact, if you find in Wesleyan language through his sermons, he might call people a child of wrath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now the 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 impulse is beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, it might just be imprecise language, but you're right that um, we become children of God through adoption, which comes through the regeneration, which comes through the justification, which comes through the faith, which comes by the power of God. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's a, yeah, I see it all the time, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, people talking, we're just all children of God, you know, for Christians. Depends who we is. Right. Well, that's true. What's the context of the we, um, there, but, um, it's it's interesting. Um, the tech, the the biblical text at least alludes to, and our Wesleyan under, you know understanding uh, attests to uh, this idea that you do become, you're adopted in to the family mm-hmm. of God. Uh, by the way, you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to, you know, it's through grace. It's by faith through grace, and all of that. So, um, all right. Well, that wasn't as controversial, at least as to us three. As no, I thought but it was Brett, be. you sure are sounding exclusive. One day soon, we can talk about um, the discomfort of the exclusivity that, uh, yeah. that is apparent in our faith, yeah. um, that would be a great conversation. It would be. Because when we say that not all people are children of God, um, that becomes an ex- exclusivity statement, as Very does when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we've talked about that before, yeah. where sometimes people focus too much on the exclusivity instead of the fact that Jesus opens a way to yeah. life. I had a fascinating uh, conversation with one of our clergy brethren here in South Georgia um, who um, all but told me that he's a universalist because of his view of God's grace and love and the power of the atonement of Christ on, you know, the, um, the atoning work of Christ on the cross. And he said it just, that led him to be that all are going to be saved. And I, and I had to push back and say, I just don't see that a in the scriptural text B in the historical, uh, attesting to that and C in our Wesleyan way of doing theology. And we had, I mean, we're friends, we're very good friends. Um, but, uh, interesting, uh, take on that. Mm. You know what else, uh, I think is maybe it might be controversial. It may not be, but it's super practical. One of the reasons that I think it's important that we parse out what we mean by get saved, being saved, was saved, etc., into pieces and parts like what are particular activities and justification, regeneration, sanctification, etc., is because we, when we don't, we fall into a trap that. American cultural Christianity has fallen into of limiting the scope of what salvation is. Yeah. So, for example, when we say that um, when we limit Jesus's atoning work to simply on the cross, which that is atoning work, but his salvific work is his entire pre-existence, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and session um, is continuing to be salvific work. Mm-hmm. Um, if we just say that the point of life is to get saved and people really mean to be justified to confess your sins and turn to Jesus, then what you've done is limit the scope of salvation because you can follow the trajectory of Paul who talks about the hope of being saved, winning his crown, uh, all of those terms that he uses where he uses salvation in the future tense. Mm -hmm. You talk about many other traditional through the church, through history, Salvation is a fuller experience, which is why if we don't, if we don't talk about the beauty of not just having the change of status, the change of relationship, what God does for us, 
and we don't also talk about what God does in us uh, and through us, then we're going to end up with people who try God out, want more, can't find it, and end up dead. Right. Because, I mean, you see it all the time. The, well, I got saved 42 times. Right. They've gone to the altar every time they felt the movement of the Spirit. But what they wanted was more of God. Yeah. And Wesley talks about this in, in us a lot, too. The Almost Christian is one the of my favorite Christian. of his sermons, yeah. right. where uh, it gets birthed within us, this yearning, this hunger, this thirst for God. And if we don't know where that gets filled, then all we're going to think of was, then maybe I'm not saved. Mm-hmm then maybe mm-hmm. I'm not saved. Maybe I have to get saved again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's anybody's real theology. Right. I don't think that that's even church's theology that call people that say you, maybe you aren't really saved. I don't think they even think that. Right. But what happens is pe- God births a yearning within people. And if we are not clear that salvation is a fuller scope that requires, but is not limited to the justifying moment or act right. of Christ. Right. Then we're going to deny people real spiritual formation, and we're actually going to turn them away from God. Right. That's and, why yeah. when when you remember this old story, John Wesley, George Whitfield, they were both contemporaries. They were preachers. Um, Wesley um, Whitfield would go out and preach to tons and tons and tons and tons of people. He'd have lots of people in a Billy Graham moment come to the altar, accept Christ, and recommit their life, etc. Wesley would seek to take all those people and organize them for ongoing spiritual formation through fellowship, class meetings, band meetings, etc. Right. Um, and there was a moment, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, where Whitfield uh, looks at Wesley's ministry and his own and worries that maybe he has birthed children for hell. Yeah. Because right. there is more to salvation. Right. It requires justification, but there's more to it. Right. That makes sense. Now we'll get oh. into that next week. And I'm super glad Dr. Kisker is going to be with us next week because I think this is his forte. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. No, absolutely. And, and it totally, totally makes sense. It's one of the reasons why, um, frankly, I'm a, I'm a Wesleyan and not mm-hmm. a Calvinist um, in my own theological worldview. Um, I've got a lot of Calvinist friends who are very uncomfortable and you know, to in their worldview, rightly so, I guess, uh, with the concept of, and there's a lot of words you can use with this, but uh, backsliding or mm-hmm. um, throwing away one salvation, losing oneself, whatever it is. And they use, a, you know, there's passages that talk about this or whatever. Um, but uh, they're uncomfortable with that because they that the concept of um, being able to taste and see that the Lord is good and then to walk away is... So it's foreign to their thinking on this. And yet for me as a Wesleyan, I try to look at it at a grander scheme and say, you know, for Wesley, he's looking at, um, you know, kind of just historically, he's looking at, from what I understand, kind of a dead Anglican church at his time, mm-hmm. um, this state religion that is uh, dealing with all kinds of heretical issues themselves. And he's wondering, well, here we're a Christian nation full of dead people. And all of and and are we even reaching the masses? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in his mind and in his thinking in in this um, in this in his day on this. So uh, for me, it's the same way. Salvation's got to be more than just the altar experience. But I love the word you used. It's required. It's necessary, but it's bigger. Like there's mm-hmm. more to it. The altar, the the regeneration, the justification is a necessary component 
to salvation at large. Uh, Alan likes to talk about sin um, sometimes. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Alan likes to talk about sin as not just about the things that we do wrong, but about sin itself. Right. You know, and salvation's probably the same way, right? It's not just about the, the, the thing of salvation, that, that time of salvation, that, that moment of salvation, but it, salvation is a bigger concept itself. Yes, and I always like to say, I have been saved. I am being saved. Yes. And I will be, will saved. be saved. Right. And that's biblical, my brethren and sister in. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Oh, hallelujah. What a mysterious yeah. statement. <laughs> it's oh, called the nice. mystery. Yeah, thank you. You see what you yeah. yeah, That was a very <laughs> deep logical <laughs> nerdy if joke. You, yeah. If you know, nerd you alert. Know. Nerd <laughs> alert. <laughs> but right. remember, justification is the doorway. Yes. And yeah. by it, because of Christ, we can stand in the presence of a holy God yes. who will then fill us deeply. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I think we're coming to an end here on this episode, and what a great episode it's been. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't just kind of throw out to our potecumens, our listeners who are there. Um, I have a hard time talking about justification and regeneration um, and not closing with, hey, if we can pray for you guys, and if you've got questions about Jesus, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be saved, what it means to have faith and trust in, in God, uh, what it means to have your sins forgiven, uh, we want to pray for you. We really do. When we say that, we're not asking for anything. We, we don't want any, you know, whatever. We, we, we really want to pray for you because we believe truly that Jesus can change lives and and change us into the people we were created to be. So we want to hear from you. You can hit us up on our social media, but if you want to give us some private messages or let us know what we can be praying for you, questions at podakesis.com is our email address. Please email us and let us know. We will pray for you. We will pray for you. You can also call us on our voicemail at 404 635 Seven nine six six seven nine. So we would love to talk to you, pray with you, have that conversation with you. Uh, Jesus does save. He does. He does. Jesus saves, and uh, and we truly believe that. Uh, next week or next time, next episode, we'll have Dr. Scott Kisker of United Theological Seminary. He will be on, and we'll be talking about sanctification and what that means, holiness, um, all of that good stuff. What man? This is now you're getting into the heart of Wesleyan theology and some really cool, cool stuff with that. Um, we're excited about that. That's going to be question number 35 in the in the catechism. Hit us up on social media at Podakesis. Leave a five star review. Send us your emails. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, Jim, Alan, y'all have anything else you'd like to share? Hey, if you want to have a question or a comment answered on the show, you go ahead and bring that out to our voicemail, email, or inboxes as well. Uh, not only do we pray for you, we like to hear from you because yes. we do this together, and it's great to be in community for you. We love to be in dialogue and conversation with you. Yeah. Hey, correct us, inspire us, ask us, share with us. We want it all. Absolutely. And, you know, let us know your favorite hymn. And uh, who knows? Maybe one of us or all of us will sing next episode. We might have to make a music video. Uh, Ooh. (laughs) We will make a music video. Podakis is live. (laughs) I didn't say live. 
Hotkeys is recorded. Yeah, I was to say, I got to get my hair did <laughs> and, for that. I, and mm. and highly edited and auto-tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them my auto-tuned secrets. All right, everybody. God bless right. you. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining the Hotkeys podcast. We will talk with you later. Have a good one.